Hi, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. I know today's episode's a kind of wonky, a kind of wonky. Uh, there was no intro and there won't be an outro. I'm currently dealing with Mercury retrograde shadow period, and there's been a little bit of a mess up in my editing process that I'm like, I don't have access to my intro and outro at the moment, but I will. It's it's a whole thing that I don't want to go into right now, but don't worry. Those things will be back in the future. Just this episode is literally just straight into the talking points. So uh, today's episode, I asked many of you over on Instagram, I put up like a question sticker. I do this periodically for the podcast when I feel like I don't want to record any of the ideas I already have. I am will put up question stickers and ask you all what you want to hear about the most. And there were several responses that asked for an update on my Saturn return because many of you are either experiencing yours or you haven't found a ton of information on the Saturn return for having one in Aquarius, which if any of you didn't know, I am an Aquarius Saturn. I am a Saturn my, sorry, my Saturn placement is in Aquarius in the second house. And I've been feeling my Saturn return since Saturn moved into Aquarius. But I feel like right now, I'm kind of going through what is considered the peak of mine, uh, which goes, it started right around Valentine's Day. So like just this month, my peak dates hit and it will go for about eight months from now. So um, I will definitely say that I'm feeling it. <laughs> um, and I think it's really valuable to put this out there. It's very raw, very authentic, my experience and what I've kind of been dealing with. Because I don't think we have enough of this. We don't have enough people that even know that they're going through a Saturn return to be aware that like this is part of what their life is like what is happening so that we can help future people that are experiencing their Saturn return maybe kind of like what to expect uh, and I don't feel like when it comes to the Saturn return I don't feel like there's any one roadmap that is going to be the same as someone else's but there usually are like typical themes that pop up or things that you might expect but there really isn't any huge level of preparation that you can do. Uh, it's really more about being okay with uncertainty. Like if you can prep yourself for that, <laughs> that's like the best thing you can do or find things that ground you if things should kind of shift into a more out of control um, it, to me, it's about releasing control. Like that's the best thing you can do for a Saturn return is just to release control and just kind of expect that not anything can happen, but that ev everything in your life that you thought you were very certain about, there's a good chance that those things will become more uncertain or will come into question if they aren't actually supporting you. If they are supporting you, then you don't really have anything to worry about, but, and you shouldn't worry anyway, because with a Saturn return, it is for your benefit. And that's, I can't drill that in hard enough. If you're somebody that's experiencing yours right now, or you will be in the coming years, it's there for your benefit. This is a transit that shouldn't be feared. It's there to support you. And it sometimes takes time to get to that supportive part or for you to comprehend what's happening. But ultimately, it's a chapter that's meant to help you get onto the correct path for you that is in like the highest alignment with you. So 
Anyways, I'm getting into like talking to the collective instead of telling you about my experience. So basically, the way this episode is going to shake down is I want to talk to you a little bit about kind of the experience I've been going through. And then I'm going to give you five pointers on things that I think people get really caught up in in the middle of their return and kind of how you can navigate those things. So With my Saturn return, just kind of a brief thing, if you don't know what the heck I'm talking about, (laughs) in astrology, to make a long story short, every single person on the planet, Earth, uh, has a corresponding Saturn placement. It's where Saturn was in the sky, the day that you were born, at the time you were born, and where you were born. There is a connection for every person. Nobody just like doesn't have a Saturn. But your Saturn placement, it comes into the same alignment that it was in the day that you were born, roughly 30 years after the fact. So every 30 years, that's a very ballpark number. It can be, you can be as young as 28. Uh, I want to say it goes through like 31, 32, somewhere in there. Uh, So 30 is like the number that we usually give as astrologers is because usually in the timeline that you turn 30, that will have happened. So Um, it comes back into alignment with you. So you could have multiple Saturn returns. There will be, I mean, unless we learn how to extend human life by a lot, uh, you can have up to three Saturn returns in your lifetime. And basically when this alignment happens, Saturn is the planet of discipline as well as I like to personify Saturn as kind of stern dad that, you know, stern dad isn't here to hurt you or make you feel bad about yourself. Stern dad is here to say like, Hey, if you can be a little bit more disciplined here, watch how, watch the new heights that your life can go to. So it, it honestly brings in like bigger changes usually for life. This is Saturn rules the career. So a lot of times we can see career changes happen. Um, we sometimes see people have babies, start families, get married, um, question the big parts of their life. Like you can go through what I would consider like your midlife crisis at this time. You can also go through that around like age 60 when you hit your second Saturn return. But it's kind of like all the things that you thought were certain, the bigger pictures of your life, they come into question. And if they're not where you're supposed to be meant to be or want to be in life, the Saturn return assists you in kind of pushing you in a direction that's more fulfilling. So you might go through a major career change or a major move. Like I said, you could expand your family, you could get married, like, those are just kind of like bigger, broader topics, it's going to be different for everyone. But basically, let me just tell you, with my Saturn return so far, I feel like I'm having a midlife crisis. Um, I'm not like, I will say this, I don't, I'm not telling any of you this, if you haven't experienced one that like, I'm not telling you this because I want you to be scared (laughs) because it is like unsettling, but I feel like if I can be authentic for a moment, it's, it's unsettling in the sense that like, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Like, don't get me wrong. I know I'm really excellent at reading tarot cards. I know I'm really excellent at public speaking. I know I'm really excellent at reading and writing. Like, I know what my strong suits are. I know what, what like my strengths and weaknesses are. I'm not trying to say that I've like totally lost my identity because I haven't. And thankfully, I do feel like I did a lot of great preparation for my Saturn return. So I'm not as lost as I think I would have been, but 
I'm dealing with basically this like, do I want to be a YouTuber forever? Like, is that the career path I see myself in? Do I think that I have the strength to become like an author? Do I think I can design my own tarot deck? Do I think like there's all of these major career changes that are coming up for me? I'm also asking myself, like, what is the grander picture of my life? What is like, you know, I I definitely see myself in the future. I don't know how many years from now, but I do see myself in the future in my own home that is like super elaborately decorated in like French art. Um, I definitely am very inspired by like French decor. I've always had an obsession with Paris since I was a kid. Um, you know, I definitely see myself in something with like lots of gold and artwork <laughs> in my future home, but like really tastefully done in a modern way, because that's just me. I'm not somebody that likes like, I'm not into like lace and doilies and like, I'm also not into like farmhouse. We're totally getting sidetracked right now and no shade if that's like your style. It's just not mine. Um, you know, I, I see myself living by the sea where currently I live in the middle of the mountains in the middle of the desert. Um, I see myself going more coastal. I'm not sure what I want to do for the long term. And that's really scary because if many of you didn't know, um, I am a full-time YouTuber. That is like my main job right now. I've been a full-time YouTuber since 2013-ish roundabout. Uh, I started in gaming, long story short, I did like seven years in gaming, that career tanked, and I wasn't really having a good time. I kind of had a crisis there too. I started reading tarot because I felt really called to it and I was really interested in it. And now that's what I do. Like mainly I am a tarot reading YouTube channel and I provide guidance to people that need that in their life. And I blend psychology and spirituality because that's like, basically, I feel like I give like really grounded counsel. I'm not like out in the astrals all the time. I tend like I'm an earth sign. I'm a Taurus. <laughs> um, I give like very grounded counsel that's rooted in like logic and psychology. And that's kind of to me, what makes me a little bit different is I blend logic and spiritual. So I love this career. Don't get me wrong. I love the freedom that it gives me. I love that I've been able to work at home for like eight years. I love that I really can work in any kind of schedule and capacity that I want to. I love that nobody gets to tell me what to do. Sagittarius rising problems. Um, you know, that's probably my biggest thing is to me, living my desired life is having complete and total freedom. And I don't feel like I'm there yet, but I feel like in a big way, I've made that life for myself. But I'm asking myself now, like, you know, this is this is where like the hard stuff comes in is I've worked really hard to be where I am. And I'm not saying this because I want like your sympathy or your pity. I've worked very hard to be where I am. Long hours, more hours than any human probably should. And I have done everything by myself. Like I've never hired outside help. I've literally taught myself photography, taught myself graphic design, taught myself video editing, taught myself tarot card reading, taught myself um, everything that you've ever seen me produce. I have taught myself how to do it. And that's great. I think I have an expansive skill set and I love that for me. I have a very impressive resume, but 
I'm tired of working hard. And that's kind of what is coming up. And I don't know why I'm like getting weirdly emotional about it. Like I've worked so hard and I'm tired of working hard. I'm tired of putting my, my health, my mental health at risk every single day as I constantly make myself work so hard. And even with keeping like a really tight YouTube schedule, which I don't know how many of you follow my YouTube channel, but I've really started to dial back on that. I've started uploading once a week instead of three times a week. And that's been really good for me. It's really, really good for my mental health, but it's like, I'm trying to navigate, do I want to do this forever? Am I putting too much pressure on myself? Can I make this easier for myself? Can I stop working so hard? Because I'm not in the place currently where I can afford to hire outside help. Like I maybe could for like a few hours a week and that might be helpful. But at the same time, I'm such a motherfucking control freak that it's so hard for me to relinquish that control. I'm such a perfectionist. I'm a 10,000 Virgo as well. I talk about this a lot on the podcast. So my public image and who I am when it comes to my brand and like what I do, I'm very hard on myself. I'm very perfectionist. If it's not perfect, it's not going out. Like that's the end of it. I would rather produce nothing than put something that I didn't give 150% to. And I have not figured how to break that perfectionism in myself. I've not really like, I've done certain things that I think have helped, but in any case, that's what I've been bumping up against is like, Chloe, you work too hard. You do too much. At one time in my career, I had 14 streams of income to manage. And you would think that that would mean that I would have a ton of money, but it really didn't. Because what I have discovered recently, as this return has really kicked in, is I'm kind of doing everything half ass instead of doing anything full ass. <laughs> And I know like when I say half-ass, I'm sure what people see online because of that 10,000 Virgo, you don't see anything done half-ass. You are like, oh my God, this is so impressive. This looks so beautiful. It's so articulated. But to me, it's not giving my best. And I haven't been able to give my best for a little bit because I'm doing too much. And this is always what happens. Even when I did gaming and I was passionate about it, I was taking on too much. Actually, that's not entirely true. When I first started my career in gaming, there was a time period where I actually only created like one or two series at a time. I did three uploads a week and my channel wasn't growing super fast at that time, but I was very passionate about what I was doing and I wasn't doing as much. And now... I think I just honestly harbor this limiting belief, and this might be helpful to someone out there. I harbor this limiting belief that like you have to do it all to be successful online. Like you have to have like the branded Instagram, you have to have good TikToks, you have to have a website that looks beautiful, a YouTube channel that like is very cohesive and branded, um, a podcast that falls into that same brand. And really you don't like you literally can pick two to three of those things and just work on those and you can do it. Like, yes, in today's age, the market is very saturated and the people that have really cohesive branding and are all over the place tend to really shine. But here's the thing. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about this, but for me, I'll speak for myself. I don't ever want to be that busy. 
And I've told myself that for at least the last three years. When I see people online really killing it, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. I think you're doing a good thing. I'm happy for you, but I don't ever want to be as busy as you. Like, but the funny thing is, is I am that busy as those people because I'm doing it all by myself. And <sighs> honestly, it kind of is like a weight off my chest to talk about this. I talk about it with my husband all the time. Poor him. I feel like he gets to hear everything and anything. And sometimes I don't know how he's not overwhelmed <laughs> with everything I have to say, because I'm also an Aries Mercury and I'm talking all the time. I love talking. Um, but I just, that's what has been the hardest thing for me is relinquishing that control and asking myself, Chloe, how can you slow down? How can you make life a little bit slower for yourself? How can you ease back and give yourself time to even like the thing that kept kind of coming up is I haven't had time to conceptualize new ideas. And that is horrible for somebody that is in a creative field. If you are a creative type trying to make something beautiful in the world, not having time to conceptualize new ideas, new podcasts, new Instagram posts, new pick a cards. And I'm just constantly putting the same thing out over and over and over again and hoping that it works out. I just feel like I have no creativity and I haven't been able to do anything new. Like I want to say, if you look at like recent uploads on my channel, you can kind of see where I've gotten some, a microscopic amount of that back because you can see where like, even in my videos, when there's like the candle meditation, I actually took the time to get like, and take my own stock footage of these candles burning before you choose one for your card pile. Like I've had a little bit more time to think about those artistic things that I like doing. And I, you know, I get out my fancier lens and I do different things, but anyways, it's like that that's really been missing from my life. And I think right now, my big like decision that is coming in is I'm asking myself, Chloe, how much do you value your freedom? Because if you really value it, you've got to like stick with this. You've got to keep going, being the online entrepreneur. You've been doing it for so many years. Like don't choke now, like just keep going, take a little bit of time for yourself. Don't feel guilty. That's the thing is when I take time off, I feel guilty about it. And because of that, it's like, I'm not really taking time off because I'm just sitting sitting there feeling guilty for not working. And basically what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm making myself like explore those feelings of guilt and asking myself where it comes from. And I'm trying to like pull it out at the root basically, instead of just no, Chloe, don't feel guilty about that. I'm saying, okay, where does this guilt come from? Who in your life taught you that you need to like feel guilty if you're not working 24 seven and to be honest with you, I see exactly where it comes from. My parents have this dynamic in their life. My father is the hardest working man I've ever met in my life. And he has been so praised for it. That's what my father is praised for more than anything. And dad, I'm sure you're not listening to this podcast, but if you are like, that is a very inspiring thing that you've instilled in me. And I'm, I'm so grateful for my strong work ethic. It's something that has really carried me through all of my twenties but it's also really bad for like your physical and mental health. Um, <clears throat> and then on the flip side of that, like not to call my father out, he's a beautiful person and um, 
I hesitated if I was even going to talk about this because it's a small thing, but big impacts. Um, you know, growing up in my house, my mother was somebody that wasn't really like a big hustler and wasn't somebody that like she had a job, but she definitely like leisured a lot more and really relished in that leisure time. And with that, like my father, I witnessed him constantly calling her lazy, even to this day, I'm pretty sure that still happens. And so basically, I basically grew up with two extremes. I grew up with one extreme of my dad working 24 seven. And my mom, she did have a job, but like when she wasn't working, my mom wasn't motivated to do anything else like ever. So to me, I saw two extremes. I saw what it looked like to be really unmotivated in life. And I saw what it was like to be like hyper motivated and not necessarily in a good way. And I feel like with me, I definitely feel like as an adult, I really personify more with my dad. Like I am so much like him. It's ridiculous. I, I do so, and we're both like, even if you look at my dad's chart and my chart, we're so similar. Like, I want to say we were both Sagittarius risings. So right there, like all of our placements, like all of our houses are in the same places. Um, my father is also a Taurus son. He's also an Aries Mercury. Um, we just like so many of our placements link up and I see how I am so much like him for the good and for the bad. (laughs) And I'm just basically with this whole Saturn return, I'm just trying to balance. I'm trying to figure out how can I achieve the lifestyle and the dreams that I have for myself? Because let's be honest with each other for a moment, living by the sea, it's not going to be cheap. I don't anticipate that. I don't like real talk, even though I've done so much healing on my money mindset. And I think I'm honestly somebody that is an expert in manifesting money. I really do believe that. And I think I need to talk more about it because I've done so much. Um, and I've manifested a lot, but I feel like there's definitely this, like, there's this belief of like, I can't surpass where I currently am. And in order to have that desired life, I have to like work harder, 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 harder. And I mean, even again, kind of relating back to like where I grew up and how I grew up, I would say that my family was like upper middle class and they were always kind of striving to be high class, to be like at this social status level that they never really hit. And it's funny too, because if you look at my parents' charts, Both of them have this Chiron placement that is all about like gaining status and like wanting to achieve this level of status that they will never achieve in this lifetime. And it's funny because that's actually how I feel like both of them kind of have that. And my Chiron is actually somewhere else, but um, surprisingly, it doesn't match up to those, but which actually I wouldn't say surprisingly, because I don't think I do things for a status. I do things because I want to feel something that I don't feel like I currently have. And that that's like a whole paradox and a thing for another time. But basically what I'm trying to get at is like, I, I would say that I kind of witness this, like work hard for everything you have mentality. And 
it's coming up right now in my life to show me that like, maybe, excuse me, maybe it could be easier. You know, maybe, maybe if I actually like, and that's like another thing I'm telling you, I knew this, I knew this episode was going to be all over the place. I do have those five points still that we'll cover, but I knew talking about my own story was going to be all over the place. I absolutely identify as a quote unquote sun person. Uh, I feel like everybody has one. You're either a sun person or a moon person. And sun people are like really about the daylight, the morning time, sunrise, uh, the idea of like fresh morning air, you know, and you tend to be more active in the morning and during the day. And moon people, it's like totally the opposite. They are and oh, sorry, I skipped part of that. <laughs> sun people are like very into like the divine masculine. And moon people, it doesn't matter if how you identify like it's masculine or feminine energy. And moon people are more deeply into like the feminine. They're more into like not actually like problem solving, but just like sitting with themselves and knowing that that thing will come or following intuition or being more creative at nighttime or being more active at nighttime. So I 110 bajillion percent identify as a sun person. I am definitely more in my divine masculine. And it doesn't mean that like, I don't have intuition. I'm not more tapped into the feminine or into the feminine at all. I just find slowing down is very hard for me. I tend to be very fast paced, but slowing down is like, a chore. I don't want to slow down. I'm somebody that I tend to try to force things to happen instead of letting them happen. And I think that I have some kind of control in that. So that's like another thing that I also see very much depicted in where I've come from is my father is very much, he is like the embodiment to me of the divine masculine. Um, and I definitely really resonate with that. And so it's been a chore. It's been hard for me to, during this time, tap into that slow living, that slow way of being, really dialing it back into basically what I've kind of done to combat this, I guess, this like whole thing on like, this is where I'm at. This is where I feel like it's not working. How can I change this? I not only have I like really kind of lost a lot of motivation, which I feel like motivation can present itself more as masculine as well. Not only have I lost a lot of that uh, motivation to push forward on things, which I think that is just like literally divine intervention of like, you need to slow down. So we're going to make you slow down. <laughs> um, and whatever that we is, whatever that power is, whether it's my higher self, God, the universe, you know, whatever. Um, I believe we're always talking about the same thing, but I've kind of been asking myself, how can I slow down? How can I tap into that divine feminine? Not only do I feel forced to do it, but I'm, I'm very grateful to be in a position now where I can do it. And it doesn't feel 100% safe to me because it's still like uncharted territory for me. I know you would think somebody with a tarot reading channel would be like divinely feminine, but I'm I'm not like, I definitely don't resonate with divine feminine stuff. Um, like at all. The only thing, well, like I wouldn't say at all, like there is a lot of femininity to me. I'm Venus ruled, but <clears throat> technically my chart ruler is Jupiter, daddy Jupiter. But, uh, as a Taurus son, I'm like also like Venus ruled. And, um, 
So of course I have like those divine feminine attributes, but when it comes to actually doing or not doing, I'm always a doer, if that makes sense. So as I've kind of taken the time to ask myself how I can slow down though, it was like, this is where I feel like a lot of the like crisis part comes in is number one, slowing down doesn't feel safe to me yet. And number two, I've realized I don't even know what I like to do. And I think I've talked about this in other podcasts as well, but not in this way. I realized that outside of work, I don't really have hobbies. Like the hobbies that I've ever like done and gotten good at, I've monetized them. And I haven't really taken time to keep things to myself ever. Like even when it came to photography, I've, excuse me, I've used that as a way to monetize, um, video creation, podcasting, like even my speaking, um, anything that I feel like really good at, I tend to monetize it and do something with it, which I don't want to give you all this impression that that's like inherently a bad thing. I think it's actually a really good thing, but I do think when you rely on your hobbies for your income and it, it can be a point of stress, uh, that's when it becomes unhealthy. And for me, that's kind of what's happened. And so I really have had to tap back into myself and say, okay, what do I like doing? What feels natural to me? And if it doesn't feel natural to me, what's something I feel called to do? And I guess if I could give you like some good points of this return so far, some good things have happened. Number one, I have taken up watercoloring and that's something that I've always wanted to kind of give a try. I'm, I've literally painted one thing like, or I've started one painting. I don't want you to get this impression that I'm like painting every day because I'm not there yet, but I've started a painting, you know, I've taken the time to educate myself on watercoloring a little bit and I'm just kind of trying to embrace that. I feel like watercoloring could be considered very divinely feminine because as an activity, watercoloring is very hard to control. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't make it work with you, but you kind of have to be willing to work with it because watercolor, it sometimes kind of has a mind of its own and you're also working with water. So Water, I believe also as an element is more divinely feminine. So that's been kind of like one thing that's forced me to slow down, picking up a hobby that is very slow paced. Watercoloring is very slow paced. Uh, the second thing I actually did, and this was so crazy and I, I love sharing this kind of stuff on my podcast. I love sharing when like I've asked for something and I have been totally divinely given and I've received. So I asked, um, I, I guess I really like reached out to my guides and I was like, my guides, I'm really having a hard time with this like slow down mentality. I don't even know what I'm good at. I don't even like, that's a lie. I know what I'm good at, but I don't know what like I enjoy doing that isn't something I've monetized. And that's really what I was searching for was something that was just for me. And lo and behold, um, I don't know if if my friend Sarah listens to this podcast, I have a few friends named Sarah, so I'm sorry to all of my friends, Sarah. I'm talking about one in particular. Um, she's, she was, is coworkers with my husband. So that should put it into perspective of which Sarah I'm talking about, but I've been meaning to actually send a message to, to you, Sarah, if you're a listener, because, um, 
I feel like you really helped spark this. I asked my guides for a sign and I feel like signs or things always kind of come through in a weird way. Like if you try to control how your guides are going to communicate with you, it always, it, it never comes in the way that you think. <laughs> so um, a long time ago, well, not too long ago, it's been like within the last couple of years, I had a website called CozyKale.com. It is no longer up and running. I don't own the domain anymore. It's not something I want to pick back up. Um, I had this website called Cozy Kale, and I closed it down. It was mostly like it was a creative outlet for me. I used to post recipes there. I learned a lot about food photography. I'm a tourist through and through. I love cooking. I love grocery shopping. I love meal planning. I love like... I love food. I am a foodie. And I feel like people say all the time, yeah, I love food. But like, I am the person that if I have a Pinterest board full of recipes, I actually try to make them. I'm not someone that just like glamorizes foods, shots of food and then doesn't do something with it, which that's not a shame on anybody. I think you can appreciate food and we need people like you in the world that appreciate food uh, because it makes the people like me that like working with food and doing really intricate recipes. It makes it even more fulfilling when others notice our natural talents or our gifts to do these things. So I'm not trying to put shade on people that just like pin these things and do nothing with them. I think we need you. Um, but I'm the kind of person that like, if I go down a rabbit hole of learning how to cook something, I, you can be sure that I will make that recipe within like a two day span. Um, but this friend of my husband's and my, my mutual friend, um, they were just talking to my husband about how like they really missed my website, like the, the recipes that were on there. And what the funny thing is, is like my recipes to me never really went anywhere. Like I didn't monetize them by any means, but they were on this website and I would make them like periodically because it was fun for me to recipe craft. I love recipe crafting. Um, I'm really good at kitchen witchery. Like it's a natural talent that I have. I believe probably in a past life I was considered a kitchen witch because I know things without even having to reference a book sometimes. And I'm like, how the hell did I know that? <laughs> so I feel like when it comes to working in the kitchen and working with my hands in that way, um, it's it's something that I really love. But basically they were like, oh, I miss Chloe's website, da 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 And lo and behold, I thought, that this was something that like nobody ever looked at. Like that website, I also put like challenges for my gaming channel on. And those posts were always like thousands and thousands of views on those posts, but very minimal views on my vid on my cooking posts. And even with my YouTube channel now, like you can see if you look back how many like cooking videos I did. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, re I really love cooking but they never went anywhere. Those videos never really got very popular. And so I just kind of assumed that like, okay, I'm not really cut out to be a chef in the public eye. Like it's just not, people aren't really watching it. People aren't gravitating towards it. I'm not necessarily as good as other people. Like I started to judge myself based on those numbers, which is something nobody should ever do. And so hearing this from a mutual friend of like, oh, I really miss the website. Like I can't reference those recipes because they're gone. And when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, like somebody actually looked at those? Like people I know actually reference that website? Like it honestly was kind of like a sore spot for me because even when I like, 
I would like tell my family about this website and I feel like no one looked at it. Like I felt like it just didn't really have support. And don't get me wrong. I don't think you should start hobbies because you want other people to notice you. You should start them because they make you happy. And I have since totally reevaluated that part of me and I've come to better understanding, but it definitely is something I still haven't fully processed and dealt with of that. Like, I just, I feel like I was always trying to like put things out there. And I've talked about this before on the podcast as well. Like even now as I'm cresting into 30, like I've noticed that I keep more of my life private than I used to. And I think that just comes with time and understanding like, I don't need other people to feel a certain way about my life. I need to feel a certain way about my life. And if I'm happy, that's all that matters. But I don't feel like I fully have processed all the stuff with that website. Um, There was like a family cookbook at one time that was made that like I had some hurt feelings about because I had changed my dietary habits and I didn't feel like I was being respected, but we worked that out. And so there was like a lot of things linked to it. And I felt like just nobody ever looked at it. And so hearing that somebody I knew was like sad that it was gone, I was like, oh, wow. Like I had no idea that I even like had that reach and it, it sparked something and it didn't spark this like, oh, I need to go and make a new website and do all these things. It was just, oh my God food photography, of course. Like I, I spend hours, I used to spend hours planning recipe shoots and just for fun, just like I wasn't monetizing it. I wasn't doing anything with it. I just was having a good time shooting food and learning about food photography and how to get the best shots. And with like the camera equipment that I have, which is good camera equipment, but it's definitely not the best. Um, And it just like led me down this rabbit hole of like getting back into food photography and getting back into actually crafting recipes that I'm interested in and getting back into, and I wish I could share pictures in this podcast because I would, this one is only on the podcast. It's not going up to my YouTube channel, but I've taken like three different sets of photos now of different meals that I've made. And I've like incorporated brand new tips and tricks on the imagery. And like, I've really been learning how to do moody food photography with like controlling your light sources. And it honestly is like a whole process. Like you do not just make something and take a picture of it. It's like, a. I spent probably a good like two hours in the kitchen, just like prepping the shoot um, getting the image composition correct. Like it's so much more work than anybody could ever. Like if you're not in the realm of food photography, you have no, probably no idea what the hell I'm talking about, but I was just having such a good time. And it was like, you know how people that have like beautiful hobbies that they're really into, they talk about getting into that flow state of like this state is like, you just lose track of time because you're having such a good time doing what you're doing. I feel like that's how food photography makes me feel. I just lose track of time because I'm so invested in the pictures that I'm making, in the composition, in the little details, in the editing process. And honestly, I have no idea what that means for my future. This could just be a hobby that I never do anything with, and that's okay. I think it's good to not monetize everything that you do. But I also realize that there's a part of me that wants more, like to me, I'm like, oh my God, these images are so pretty. Like, no, they're not on the level with like the photographers that I definitely think I admire, but I feel like they're good. 
I feel like you could put them in a cookbook and they would look correct printed in a book. Like, I feel like they're good imagery. Um, and that's even coming from somebody that I feel like is like really hard on themselves when it comes to that. Remember that whole 10th house Virgo thing? I'm real hard on myself. And so probably to like anybody who doesn't know about image composition, they would probably think they're stellar. But to me, I'm like, oh, they're good. Like they're not like spectacular, but they're good. <laughs> and there's a part of me that's like wanting more. And I'm bringing this up in the Saturn return because it's made me slow down. It's made me like, you don't, you don't cook a meal and take a picture. It doesn't work like that. When you do image composition for food photography, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of editing tweaks. It's a lot of, you know, like I said, you'll spend hours putting these images together. And depending on what you're shooting, it can be more or less complex. So what, the reason I bring this up, though, is I haven't felt this passionate about something in such a long time. I forgot what it felt like to lose myself in something because I'm just having such a good time. And I will say this. I'm not promising anything. So please know that I'm not promising a damn thing. But there is this part of me that's like, oh, my God you should put these back on a website. You should, and not to monetize them, not to put ads on them, not to like, you know, I'm not saying I would never do that, but even if I just did it for myself and I didn't even like mention the name of that website and I just put it out there just so I could have it there or I could give that link to friends, you know, there's something about it. There's something about having that like catalog and it's always been a long time dream of mine to have a physical cookbook printed. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to have to like self-publish, excuse me, self-publish that or what's going to happen. But I just think it's so funny that here I am in my Saturn return and I'm doing something that I haven't done in a long time, something that I'm very passionate about. I have no idea where it's going or what I'm doing with it. I'm still doing my normal day job, but I've dialed it back. And like, that's basically what I'm in the middle of. And I hope at the end of my return, I have like more to report on that. Like, who knows, maybe at the end of my return, I will have a book deal that's like for a cookbook. Or I've also been like writing so many words a day too. Um, I've been trying to do at least 250 words a day. Um, I don't get to it every day, but I try 250 words a day on my self-help book that I've talked to y'all about multiple times. Um, we've even read like excerpts out of it. Uh, but I'm trying to get like a small amount of words every day, just so I'm making that habit. And, you know, it is a goal of mine to get published. That is a book that I don't know that I will self publish it, I will try to probably get some kind of a deal on it. And not even because it's like a monetary thing. It's a even if it was, I have no shame in that. But it's not because I want it to be like monetary. It's more of a even since I was a child, I wanted to be a published author. Like that's something that's like a childhood dream of mine. Uh, and I feel like I owe that to childhood Chloe of like, yeah, we're a published author. You can get my book at Barnes and Noble or wherever, you know? So I, I am still working towards that goal, but I just feel like basically if I could cliff notes it, kind of like too long, didn't listen <laughs> instead of too long, didn't read too long, didn't listen Basically, what I'm finding as I'm entering this Saturn return phase is that I what I thought I would be doing forever is coming into question. 
And I'm asking myself now, like, what do I want to do then? If not this, then what? And I'm exploring all of my options. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to leave YouTube, but I've definitely scaled back tremendously. And I've done that more for my mental health than anything, because being in your analytics every day is not healthy. Like, I don't care who you are. I don't know how people with big business heads do it. I think it's so detrimental to your mental health. And for the last like eight years, that's what I've done is I've woken up every day. I've looked at my analytics and if they were great, I was having a good day. And if they were less than great, I was asking myself, how can I make better content? How can I make bigger content? How can I get noticed more? How can I change this to amplify it? And never just being fully content or present with what I had done and being proud of my accomplishments. And that's what Saturn has dropped on me thus far. So that's kind of my update. It was a long update. Uh, let's talk about these five pointers now. So I honestly, we might be going through a podcast rebrand soon. She rebrands a lot. Okay. That's like my catchphrase. Uh, mostly because when I branded this podcast, this name for the podcast was a placeholder. I didn't know what I wanted to call it. And I feel like I've come up with something better <laughs> and, uh, I'm still thinking about it. We're still thinking about it. And season two of this podcast will be in May. We'll be at a second season in May because this podcast launched in the spring of last year. So we might be coming out with a new name soon. So prepare yourself for that. Um, anyways, I brought that up because I think the new name, if I go with it, it's a little more mystical and it totally fits. <laughs> Something that I don't always tell you all is when I come up with key pointers for videos, Oftentimes I refer to my tarot deck to do this. Like I already have ideas of what I want to talk about, but the tarot images really help. And so I pulled five tarot cards for this to see and kind of get more guidance as to what the collective needed to hear about this, like embracing a slower paced life and the Saturn return. So the first thing I have for you all, if you're experiencing this or you will be, is we often will put ourselves in a box and I feel like Saturn really comes in to, to show us that we don't have to live there. Your box doesn't have to look the way that it currently does. And we as people, it is like our divine nature to try to predict outcomes and try to ask ourselves how things will come into our life or what things will be like. And I don't think it's wrong to question or conceptualize. But when it's to the point that we are what I call chokeholding the universe or chokeholding God or whatever, um, that source energy, we're not allowing things to naturally flow. We're not allowing things to naturally change. You know, maybe you're trying to manifest a Tesla and you think that because your income doesn't support a Tesla, you think you won't be able to have one. But in reality, you could win a Tesla tomorrow. Like it doesn't, or somebody could gift you one just out of the blue because they won the lottery. Like you have no idea how that thing is going to come into your realm and you need to be open to the possibility. So with the Saturn return, be open to the possibility that things can happen differently. Be open to the possibility that the way you think your life is going and the way it's meant to go could be completely different. The second thing I have is that um, a lot of us can be very like scared to, and I think I struggle with this. I think a lot of people do. We're scared to defy the path that we have either laid out for ourselves or others have laid out for us, be it a family, a member, a mentor, a parent, a caregiver, uh, a spouse, or we think we have to like be something for our kids. 
um, or for your kids rather, I don't know why I say it like that. Cause I don't have kids, but, um, we're scared to go against that path. We're scared to go against that grain against what society has said we should be like. And I also feel like the Saturn return really comes in to kind of ask you, is this the path that you really do want to be on? Or is this path not serving you? And you're going to be pushed to your limit of defying that if it's not the right path for you. And I feel like we also, like on that same thread, I think we we as people can become very obsessed with quote unquote finding the right path when there really isn't one. <laughs> like your life can go down a multitude of different pathways. And this is why like, I don't even really think like fate and destiny. Like I do believe that like we can take our destiny into our own hands. I believe that we can have multiple purposes throughout our lifetime. It doesn't have to be one thing. And I feel like often we get scared to kind of defy something because we think we're going to ruin the path that we have. And ultimately, you're never going to do that because you're never really truly off path. It's a part of you. It's a part of the, of the process. So like question those things, question your path. Don't be afraid to question it. Question where you're headed, if it's serving you, if it's not, what you can do about it. Take time to write those things out. And we also, I also have as a third point, um, a lot of times with a Saturn return, it's, it's, it can really be hard because we're afraid. We're afraid to begin again. And I, I'm pulled these points out, I think, because I've struggled with them. So I have like a personal stake in this one as well. But for me, even when we talk about my gaming legacy, right, that I kind of left behind, that was a path that was so hard for me to leave because I'd built so much for myself in that brand. And I see myself here in the now doing that same thing. I've built up this brand to a certain level that I'm really proud of. But since I've had that experience before, it's actually a little bit easier for me to question. It's easier for me to let go. But I know what it feels like to be afraid of like, oh my God, but I've done so much. I've spent all these years in school. I've spent all these years on this YouTube channel. I've spent all these years planning for this thing. But it's okay if you change your mind. It's okay to begin new at something else. And I think the scariest thing of all is that you will allow yourself to stay, to stay in a job, in a lifestyle, in a situation, in a marriage, in a position that you don't feel fully fulfilled in. That is the scariest thing of all. It is so much braver to step out of that and say, maybe I need to do something else. Maybe I need to be with someone else. Maybe I need to chase something else, attract something else. And giving yourself that freedom of choice and it's not always going to happen overnight. It is going to take time. I've talked about this countless times, but my gaming channel basically had to be forcibly ripped away from me in order for me to feel better and to leave it and to do something else. It had to come to a point where I couldn't even afford to live. I was fully in survival mode. And I did this for over a year before I finally let go. And I said, okay, new chapter. 
can't do it anymore. So it takes time. And the Saturn return is a lengthy period. So really you experience it for about two and a half to three years. There are peak dates, but you'll experience the full Saturn return in that time frame. So the next thing I have is that we also, I think, sometimes believe that we aren't good at anything. And this is a rut that a lot of us can get stuck in is we think I'm not good at anything. So how can I explore anything? Because that's number one problem is that you think you have to be good at it. Who told you that in order to start something in your life that is worthwhile and worthy of your time, you have to be good at it. Nobody, you are setting that standard for yourself. Now, somebody maybe put it in your mind that you need to be good at it. But now if you're listening to this podcast, you have the, the creative freedom and the choice to say, you know what? I'm going to try something new and I might be terrible at it, but I'm just going to try. And honestly, that's kind of what I let myself do with watercoloring. I still don't really know if I like it, <laughs> but I'm trying. I'm just trying something I've never really tried before. And same with writing. I don't know if I'm really that good at it. I think I'm good at it, but maybe I'm not, <laughs> you know, so just try, just try, try new things. That is one of the most important things you can do is just try. And it doesn't mean you have to go out and spend a lot of money. A lot of times, um, I mean, I know we're kind of dealing with a global pandemic, so right now might not be the best time, but there are online courses too, of course. But a lot of times, especially if it's like art-based, you can go and take like a night class of just like they do like wine and paint nights in a lot of locations, at least in the U.S., where you get to go drink wine. They You pay like a flat rate of like 30 bucks or something. They give you all the tools you need, all the paint, the canvas, everything. And you just get to lay back and, you know, try something new. So think of things like that, too. If you don't want to like buy a bunch of stuff, try just taking like a one class that gives you all of the tools. And then lastly, this one I feel like is really hard for a lot of us, um, is that we don't actually know our truth or what we stand for, or we've been silenced. And this can also really impact your crown chakra, I believe. Like, it can also, like, honestly, like the upper three chakras, which is going to be the throat, the third eye, and the crown. But personally, I believe that obviously your throat chakra, right? Right in the throat. If you're not speaking your truth, obviously there's a throat chakra imbalance happening. However, I think something that a lot of people don't think about is that your crown can be highly impacted too. Your crown chakra is your connection to divine source, your belief in something beyond you, your belief that like, honestly, the crown chakra to me, I think in my personal body is probably my strongest. Like I've never had a day in my life where I didn't feel like my crown chakra was fully balanced and supported. And it's funny because when things come up in my life, it tends to be other chakra points. But um, with the crown chakra, I feel like when you're not connected to like your higher self source energy, when you feel that disconnect, that to me is 
something to work on something to, and you know, even if you're not like interested in like chakra system and don't really know anything about that, um, I wish there was a way that you could let me know if you want an episode on chakras, (laughs) because that's something I'm like very interested in. And I feel like I have like a pretty good grasp on what they are and what they're about. But when you know your truth and you know what you stand for, I feel like it's that knowing the crown chakra to me is the knowing. And so when you go through the Saturn return, if there's all this uncertainty, work with that crown chakra, work with that divine knowing and know that it's all part of the process. It's all part of who you are and who you're becoming and also who you are unbecoming. Because I feel like a lot of times we talk about like becoming something or someone, but we forget that in order to become a lot of times we have to unbecome the things that we're not, the things that have been put on us, that have been projected at us or taught to us that we have to let go of. Um, I had the craziest experience yesterday. I don't know why I feel called to share this, but here we are. I had the craziest experience yesterday. I have been in my feelings, like real talk. I think this is a big part of what I've been experiencing too. I think this kind of ties into what we're talking about. Um, I am going through my fourth house transit right now, and it's always been a, like a sore spot for me. Anything to do with the fourth house. Like, I wouldn't say that I had the worst childhood life, but I don't think it was the best. And I've talked about like where there's abuse, where I do have a narcissistic caretaker. And I was basically raised, even though it's hard for me to talk about this stuff, but just know that like, this is part of my story. I'm not saying these things because I want to out family members because I want people to feel badly about themselves. I'm saying these things because it is part of my story, my truth and what I've had to uncover on my own journey. But I was raised by a narcissist and somebody that I consider to be highly abusive. And even though I love those people, you know, um, and there's been a lot of forgiveness that has had to happen on my part, but With that, I really believe that when it comes to the fourth house, I also have my Chiron in like, I want to say my Chiron like is all about family as well. Also, I'm so sorry if you can hear my cat crying. He wants to hang out with my husband and my husband's office door is closed right now because he's working um, from home right now. But um, my basically whenever like any kind of fourth house transit comes up big for me, like in Pisces season, I always have a hard time. Always, 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 always. I never have like Pisces season is not the time for me. I don't like Pisces season particularly. I have a really hard time embracing it, uh, because it's my fourth house transit like clockwork every year. My fourth house transit is in Pisces season because the fourth house deals with home and family. And it also is like my own home, my own family. You know, it's not just like ancestral roots, things like that. But I tend to always feel over like over my head, overwhelmed with emotion at this time. So if you don't see a lot of me online during this time, that's probably why. As uh, Seanetta's Divine Tarot would say, she had hella planets in the fourth. And that's, I feel like, where I'm at right now. I got hella planets in the fourth. Calcifer, can you stop screaming, please? Come here, buddy. Come here. I'm so sorry. I don't know if you can hear him. You probably can't because it's a really good microphone. 
but he's just crying. Come here, buddy. I'll come pet you. We're almost done. Mommy's almost done. Um, so as I was saying, I've got like this fourth house transit going on. And yesterday I like, because we're on the topic of chakras and kind of following that yesterday, I just felt so sensitive and like vulnerable. And I don't want to say sensitive, like it's a bad thing. Cause I really believe sensitivity is like such a great thing. Really? I do. But I feel like with being like, I'm already highly sensitive. So when I'm having like a quote unquote, like really squishy day, like it's like that on steroids. <laughs> I was crying over everything. And I just remember like I went to bed cause bed is where I go. Like my bed is like where I go to heal. That's like my favorite place in the whole world. I love bed when I'm sad. That's always where I go. And so I went to bed and I was crying and I just like closed my eyes and I, I felt like I, my ego was like screaming. Like my ego was like, see me, see me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. And I was like, basically I kind of screamed back in, in like all internal. This was all like through a visualization. I was like, what do you want? Like, why are you acting like this? What do you want? And all of a sudden my ego walked up to me and it was myself as a child. Ooh, I just got the chills. It was myself as a child. And it just said to me, basically, it was like, we can't let anyone in. Like, you, we can't talk to other people. We can't let anyone in because when we let people in, we get hurt. And I wrapped my arms as myself around that child. And I said, yeah, people really hurt us, huh? And I said, but you know what? That's what makes life so beautiful is we get to experience the beauty of the pain. And we also get to experience the beauty of the love and the joy. And if we don't allow people in and we don't allow ourselves to connect, we don't get to have those experiences. And when I tell you, I feel like there was like a plug in my solar plexus chakra. When I tell you, I feel like I pulled it out and like, it was like this huge pressure was just like leaking out. And I was feeling like such this weird sensation of relief. Like, I don't even, this is like where I'm like, oh my God, I know I preach inner child work, but like inner child work is it. So beautiful experience. I know it's not really about the crown chakra, which is what I was talking about. But like, you know, I feel that when we don't know who we are, what we stand for, why we've been silenced, why we feel a certain way, we need to work with those things. Ask yourself where in the body you're feeling it. And more than likely, there's a chakra that corresponds to that. And you can start working with it. Like I said, if y'all want an episode on chakras, I'm down. I love the chakra system. I feel like I work with my chakras a lot. So um, yeah, that's kind of what I've got. I hope this was helpful. I feel like some of it was kind of all over the place, but like, that's kind of just how my podcast is. I definitely, um, will start with an intention for something and then I will be just all over. But so many of you write to me, especially on Instagram, if I like have like a sticker open or something, so many of you write to me and tell, tell me how much this podcast means to you. And 
I just want you to know that I really appreciate it. Like, I know that this podcast doesn't really reach that many people, but it's something that I'm very passionate about. And even, even though it's like free content, like I don't even think there's ads on my podcast right now at all, because I don't know why there just isn't any new ones for me to put in. I literally do this as like a free thing and I love it so much that I keep doing it. So, um, I just wanted to say thank you to all of you and if you want to follow me anywhere else around the web, I always put my links down below. I love you all so much. And like I said, I hope we get to do another Saturn return update, maybe in like a few months. We'll talk about it again and we'll see where I'm at because it's kind of a cool catalog for me to have for myself too. And I love you all so, so, so much. So many big hugs, so much love. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Bye.